the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Today, I'm sharing with you the astrological forecast for January 27th to February 2nd, 2021. This audio that you're about to listen to was also on YouTube, which is why you'll hear me say things like, like this video and comment, which of course you can go over to YouTube and leave a comment if you are so inclined. I would love to hear what you think. So sometimes I keep these introductions short because, um, you know, we can just like launch into the forecast, but today I feel like sharing a few thoughts, um, that are coming to mind at the moment and share something that I shared to Instagram recently. I'm thinking about Aquarius season and the witness character. So I see the Aquarius Leo axis as involving this polarity between being in the drama of life on the Leo end of things and being the detached witness on the Aquarius side of things. When we are witnessing life, we can gain intel, like we gain insight and perspective. And if we are more inclined toward that Aquarian energy, or we're in a more Aquarian phase of life for whatever reason, we can forget to put ourselves in the equation, or we just get so used to being on the outside looking in, you know, and then Otherwise, if we're more on the Leo side, we are so embroiled in our personal dramas that we don't have insight on them. So I want to share something that I shared to Instagram the other day, and then then I'll get into the forecast. So I wrote, in my early life, I developed a skill of being totally unreadable when I wished to deploy that, an unreadable perceptive witness. I went there if I felt threatened or simply didn't know what to do. I went there as a default. I also went there to be entertained, which sounds weird to say, but by not inserting myself into a scenario, but just seeing, it's like things would reveal themselves. People would tell me long tales and their life story. Ordinary moments would be given permission to become cinematic and visionary. I always had a private, mesmerizing inner theater. It was also a wonderful way to feel separate from life, unseen, misunderstood, lonely, and projected upon. A total crisis at my quarter life, the first Uranus square at 21, which everyone has, wondering how to come online as a member of reality. It would be terrible to suddenly come to as if in the middle of a dream, realizing my relationships weren't authentic because I wasn't participating in them. I'm not surprised I became so intrigued by giving and receiving psychic readings, the breaking of the wall of imperceptibility. These days, my witness self and my chameleon self help me attune to others and get on similar wavelengths to many different kinds of people, but I have learned to actively participate and practice acts of self-definition in places I was largely projected on. Personal development work has helped me learn how to communicate or be honest in situations I could have slid under the radar instead. Honest communication feels so connecting and revelatory coming from knowing what it's like to live in hiding. 
I don't regret the strangeness of the path because I got to focus so much on seeing, but now it's continually enlivening to feel all the archetypal and personal development things I study have applications. To feel like I gained a map that gave me an entryway to jump into the game and play a role that is myself and not just a witness. Having the tools to liberate myself from my patterns and learn new ways of being in the 3D and the world. And then I also shared a piece of creative writing that I wrote when I was around 19. On this Instagram post, it was a picture that you had to swipe through to read. But I'm just going to be indulgent, you guys, and I'm going to read it and then go into the forecast. It's, you know, a Leo full moon. So a good a good show and tell, a good share is is in our wheelhouse. So here's the piece of writing. A small bedroom, dark wood floors, and a slanted ceiling. One light, very dim mood lighting. The room is empty except for a pile of books at the mouth of the empty closet. A young man is looking through them. You like Russian literature? He asks. I love it, she says. I sell books. My friend Alex, he licks his lips slightly, likes Russian books too. Whenever I've come across one, I set it aside to give to him. As he says this, he holds a book outward, as if to mimic his past actions of giving. She knew Alex and had studied Russian literature with him. And so she was to believe this person before her was a background operator in the events of her life. This person. He both glided when he walked and exhibited angular movement when he spoke. He had very light clear skin and blue eyes, was not an average-looking person, though his features were exceptionally clear. His eyes were almost always intensely fixed upon the person he spoke to, even while his neck turned or his head rotated. He looked away a few times while he breathed in at the beginning of a thought. He always had one eyebrow raised while he spoke, and he conferred upon those he engaged with such poised attention that she for one was suspicious. And yet, after sitting there with him for 20 minutes in this dim lighting, having just met him, she could not help but think, who is this creature? This thought, the loudest thought in her mind. Her face reveals nothing except interest and a soft, intense, but yielding gaze that is the palette for anyone's projections. They spoke about literature and that was all. This is a moment that stands out for it being the meeting of two souls, both intensely looking in and yet not penetrating the surface. There is a quality here especially spectacular of an impossible distance. It is like a window at night, a candle flickering behind the glass, the window glass frosted over on the outside. Only a few movements are perceptible down at the base of the hill from which the viewer attempts to look in. In this world, she could think anything and know that he would not be able to hear it. Okay, here's our week, January 27th to February 2nd, 2021. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch bringing you the astrology forecast for January 27th to February 2nd. 
I'm an evolutionary astrologer. Welcome back. If you're new here, I have branched out to YouTube to share these forecasts that I write and have been writing um, now in video form. And I also share them to the podcast, Magic of the Spheres. So this week that we have ahead um, has a fair share of tension and opportunities for liberation. Venus and Pluto join in Capricorn. The moon grows full into Leo and the sun draws into an exact square to Mars and Taurus. Mercury will station retrograde in Aquarius and Venus enters Aquarius as well. So Aquarius season is about insight and perspective. Aquarius sees the systems, the bigger contexts, um, the vaster context for all of these individual dramas and storylines. Leo, the energy growing into fullness this week with the full moon, is about the grandeur of self and the magic that is being full of oneself. Not full of oneself in the way that is used as an insult or as a character flaw. Not arrogance. Um, not placing oneself over others. But this sense of being self-actualized and fully radiating one's essence and one's power, which you have to know who you are and be full of yourself <laughs> to do that. This Leonine aspect of life is friend to many strong emotions. It could be our yearning to be something that we believe that we aren't. So just that inner angst of like, I wish I were this thing and really wanting to be um, great or be actualized. Um, it could also be the, the sense of joy or excitement that we have when we are, you know, feel fully engaged with ourselves and feel really empowered and alive. Um, it could be the jealousy or the ruffling that occurs when someone is a strong personality or energy and other people have strong reactions to it. Whether we are the strong personality and people are reacting to us or whether we are reacting to other personalities. Leo is ruled by the sun after all, and at once we might be basking in the sunlight in the full erotic splendor of aliveness, where we could be squinting harshly into the light, burning, wanting nothing more than to get into the shade. Leo actually houses all of this drama. It also houses the inner regality of stepping into ourselves fully, um, stepping into who we already are. Perhaps if we only believe we are worth it and that it is true. So the whole like being who you really are thing is very simple and it's also mysterious because we collect a lot of conditioning and a lot of like false versions of self just through interacting with reality, just through receiving cultural conditioning, family conditioning, and through maybe wanting to fit in. Um, with a, our given culture um, or fit in with certain standards of what's beautiful or what's amazing or whatever um, that goes against our own kind of personal makeup. So the task of being, you know, being in the inheritance of who we actually are is a internal activity of finding that information. Who am I? Feeling that sense of self and an external activity of actually expressing that out in the world, letting ourselves be seen, being visible so that people can interact with us and see who we really are, as opposed to going into the world as more of a character or a false self um, and engaging from that sense of falseness and snowballing that false identity into all sorts of uh, 
energetic clutter around us. In light of tensions this week, like Venus conjunct Pluto, which we'll get into in more detail, jealousy um, and intense desire are possibilities. And then the sun square Mars, you know, has aggravation and irritation as possibilities this week. So with these more tense transits, um, and tense doesn't mean bad. It just means that there's going to be some friction. We might have the opportunity to get some insight about ourselves as though we are a character that we were fascinated in studying. There is a deeper level of play in the game of life that is available to us when we are willing to explore our own mysteries and shadows, and even just our patterns from a more detached vantage point. So for example, if I subconsciously expect people to reject me, like I'm always just waiting for that rejection, I might withhold my truth. I might not ask for what I want. I might undervalue myself. And these particular orientations have consequences. And then I'm in relationship with those consequences. And there's an energy that's showing up in my field that boils down to me, um, subconsciously expecting people to reject me, right? So becoming aware of what those patterns are and how they are gravitating these consequences in the field around us, because that's the energy that we are playing with and showing up to life with. Those of us who want to change our lives and to either step away from patterns that drain us or step more fully into the gifts or aptitudes that we know that we have, there's just got to be a little bit more fun to this game. That's my intuition for this week. <laughs> a growing sense of fun, um, contrasting a sense of seriousness um, about the game. Because the game, you know, the game of life is serious play. It does have a serious element to it. And there's also all this avenue, you know, an opportunity for fun. This could be what this week opens a door to an illuminating awareness that we already are that which we seek. So the things that you desire the most, maybe you have an image or a vision of what you need to aspire to to get there, but you're already vibrating at that frequency in another way, perhaps more symbolically already. I think it's already in there. But how is this game played, this game of life? And what are the rules? If we're here incarnated, that's basically what we're figuring out. And I think it's possible that if we consider it a game and something that could be fun, we might invite our inner player out. The one who is willing to play and experiment and really engage with life. If we don't want to play and you know, aren't even trying to figure out the game or what the rules are. Um, that's when we sink into depressions or futility and believe that everything should already be figured out, which is a form of entitlement. Um, and we give up on playing. Now, just to clarify, when I say rules here, rules have, you know, a connotation to it. When it comes to games, games have rules. There's gameplay. So there's different aspects of life where it's like, there are perhaps natural laws, you know, there are natural laws and there's um, different ways that energies operate. 
When we understand how these energies operate and what the rules, so to say, of the game are, then we gain all this agency for playing. But when we don't know the rules, it's like we're kind of just scrambling, like trying to do something or trying to be effectual, but we don't really know what the metrics are. And we might think that there's certain rules like to the game um, or a particular sub game of life. And we could be off about it. We could be playing by a distorted sense of like a distorted framework or a distorted set of rules. So it's getting into a deeper alignment with what is the the framework for which we can derive our actions and our motivations um, so that we feel more empowered. Like we feel like we have more um, agency in our lives to experiment and to be here. Um, Right. So I'll give a personal example of a big pattern that I'm working through, um, which is becoming more transparent emotionally Um, And, you know, talking about my feelings and my needs and also like participating more in life, which I know, like if those of you who follow me and see how like visible I am on social media, yes, I do participate in life. It's not like I'm not participating, but I made a post recently about how I used to, you know, I developed a skill in early life about being unreadable. So just being a deep perceptive witness, but basically not saying anything, just being a listener. So entering situations and people would like tell me their life stories. And there was a way that just being this witness character was something that I fell back on pretty easily. And to an extreme, it can then manifest or it had manifested as not being an honest participant in my relationships, like there being a fantasy image of me that had been built up that I hadn't done anything to um, resist. So it's like letting someone build a projection about me and just like being a witness and allowing that to happen. So I noticed that even like the last time, one of the last times I was in a group social situation that I found myself starting to like almost mildly disassociate, I snapped out of it by actually just joining the conversation and putting my ideas and like putting my voice into the circle. And then other people in the circle responded to me and I felt connected to my environment. Had I, however continued to dissociate and think, oh, these aren't my people. Like these people don't understand me. I don't belong here. And I would have just continued to recede into the background um, instead of actually playing, putting in my voice and like playing, playing the game of the night. Um, So this is what I'm talking about, figuring out where your engagement is in life and what are the stories and patterns that keep you disengaged or engaging in a way that creates an unnecessary level of static or distortion between you and life. And that's like deep, deep work, right? Like that's the mystery path of incarnating into our full selves um, and learning about what's holding us back, so to say. It may feel harder to play a game well if we don't know the territory and the map and the rules. So as Mercury stations retrograde in Aquarius, this can be a good time to tune into systems of awareness that grant us more liberation in our lives. So different languages, personal development tools, and I mean languages in a very broad sense of the word. Um, Personal development tools or systems of knowledge like astrology, for example, these things are all maps. A map gives us a sense of direction. It tells us the territory. 
So when information or a body of information excites us or has this electric charge, like we're curious, we want to know more, we feel the insight, we feel its power, um, this can be a clue that it is helping us activate our mental and intellectual sense of navigation through life. A concrete example, to make this a little bit less abstract, would be um, learning communication skills for your interpersonal relationships, your friendships, and your romantic partnerships. This is a map, but actually applying those teachings into your relationships and experiencing more love and connection in your life is the territory. So a lot of like Mercury stuff, we think about information or we think about even like advertisements in that world. There's a lot of like problem-based ads, for example, like I see you have this problem and here's the solution. Um, one way to like feel that in ourselves or kind of reverse engineer it is like when you have something in your life that feels blocked, like it's an issue, that's where we can form a question. Like, is there an easier way? Is there a more satisfying way to live? And we become curious and open to knowledge or systems of knowledge that might offer us insight or perspective on the places that we want to experience growth or liberation. So I'm going to share a few announcements on um, some slides here, and then um, I'll get into these transits that I was alluding to in more detail. So do find me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. I post things there that I don't really post, um, you know, or share here, obviously. And you can also sign up for my mailing list. And that's a way to stay in touch with me to get the forecast delivered to you every week and to also get announcements of when my courses are open for enrollment. Um, please like this video and comment. Let me know what you think, how you're doing and subscribe and hit the notification bell. My evolutionary astrology intensive that I teach is currently in session. Um, but it's a several month course teaching you the foundations of this form of astrology that I love so much. Um, so do get on my mailing list um, to be on the wait list for the next one. Meteorite, um, a level two training, a nine month astrological embodiment accelerator is starting January 31st. This is for people who have already taken the intensive. Um, we are pretty much ready to go. I, you know, but because we're not starting until the 31st, any of you last minute um, who have been thinking about this, go ahead and apply. The link is in the notes um, if you have taken my classes before and we'll get on a call and talk about it. Um, but do so as soon as possible because we are starting on the 31st. My astrology reading bookings are currently closed. I'm still taking on new clients for ongoing mentorship or coaching, which is a six month or one year commitment. If you're interested in working with me in that capacity, you can send me an email at sabrina at monarchastrology.com. And of course, if you would like to know when my astrology readings open, my mailing list is the best place to be for that. And then we have a new episode of Magic of the Spheres with Jonathan Coe called Thriving as Multi-Hyphenates or Mutable Souls. And we talk about the multi-hyphenate or shapeshifter path, having multiple callings and vocations. And we talk about the mutable signs of the Zodiac, which are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. So here's our week. We have on January 28th, 2021, 
Venus in 25 degrees of Capricorn will be conjunct Pluto in 25 degrees of Capricorn at 8.18 a.m. Pacific. Venus-Pluto contacts can be a time to more consciously address the dark side of our experience and love. What we, for example, get out of putting ourselves in situations we know intellectually aren't good for us. Why we're addicted, for example. Um, you know, that's a, that's a big place to take responsibility. And it's also really, um, it's challenging to work with our addictions and compulsions. We might have a sense of, of knowing that, okay, there's something about this that isn't quite functional or isn't really working for me, but why do I still want it? Um, and so there's levels of insight. Um, and there's also to some extent, having the experiences that we need to have, but taking full responsibility for ourselves as we do that. Um, there's noticing what sparks our jealousy or envy with Venus Pluto. Noticing what lower impulses we have that we either indulge or correct with our moral compass, but we still have the impulses. Venus Pluto can lend the power to love what is in the shadow and actually relate with it and work with or engage it instead of suppressing it or trying to avoid it. So for example, if we have any kind of gameplay now to use this in a more negative sense than I was using it earlier, um, where we're more manipulative or extractive in our relationships, like we're trying to um, relate with people to get a particular result, right? Like there's a manipulation at play. By noticing when we're doing that and why we're doing it and what insecurities it's attached to, we are that much closer to liberating ourselves from that pattern and making different choices that are more empowered. So... There has to be that period of inventory or awareness of like, hmm, I want to leave this person on red right now <laughs> just for the power, you know, like that game. Um, and why? Why do you think that's going to give you power in this situation? What are you afraid of? What do you want? Like this kind of um, not, but not a harsh self reprimanding, um, inventory on it, but just like an honest, like, this is interesting. Hmm. Do I really think that by, uh, playing and toying with someone that I will be able to keep them and have a satisfying, fulfilling, emotionally intimate relationship? Or is there a, a you know, some kind of break in my logic there? So this kind of, um, curiosity and inner engagement with shadow content. Here in Capricorn, it could also be becoming more aware of judgments that we have about ourselves and others. Where do we just believe our judgments and our appraisals of good and bad or good and evil instead of noticing that we are in fact judging? In a video, which I'll link uh, below, Perry Chase recently spoke of jealousy as a turn on that we can't accept that we seek to then destroy. I found this perspective refreshing. What would it be like to accept the turn on that jealousy is connected to um, something or someone that we think is amazing or beautiful or talented or whatever without feeling like we have to implode upon that source of inspiration? 
like to be able to hold um, our attraction without contracting could be a place of growth. This week, I've also been loving Shaman Durek's particular spirit hacks in his book, Spirit Hacking, around talking to the shadow and around liberating underworld spirits that come to us in the form of negative or cruel thoughts by then interviewing them and sending them to the light. So for what it's worth, I'm really enjoying this book. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, this is a very particular perspective on reality. Might not resonate with everyone. Not everyone might like it. Um, but I like to read a lot of different kinds of things and take in a lot of different perspectives. And I've been enjoying this re, um, like dipping my feet back into this spiritual concept that negative thoughts are spirits, not just isolated, um, things in the psyche. Like for example, um, in the West, we're more likely to think of dream images as things that originated from our brain, as opposed to beings or images that exist outside of us, visiting us and coming through. We think of our thoughts as our own that exist inside of our skulls instead of as things that are floating through the air that we are receiving, right? So there's a certain kind of ownership and possession and a certain psychology, uh, psychology-based perspective that is a little bit more normal or conventional. It's not as conventional to be like hmm, negative or self-judging or mean thoughts are actually um, entities or underworld spirits. And I think um, while it's not the first time I've encountered or even resonated with that idea, the last time that I worked with that, I don't think I had the proper foundations or kind of like grounding in myself to deal with that. And I got overwhelmed. But what I like about this book is that there's an actual process for interviewing these spirits, asking them what they're doing, like what they're offering, and then sending them to the light. And then once they're in the light, asking them if they have any perspective or guidance, because now they're in the light. Um, so I've been playing with that all week and I've had so many breakthroughs and it's been like very, um, compelling. So I just, you know, me, if you follow these, I'm pretty often talking about what I'm reading or absorbing. Um, one overarching message of the book is that we have to engage and take responsibility for the darkness. Um, that being quote, love and light isn't about ignoring or trying to suppress that, which we demonize or think is bad. For anyone who is seeking some practical, magical, or shamanic tools for engaging shadow work, this book has some helpful activities. You know, I love this stuff. Like, I'm just getting really, um, one of the things that I've been excited about for some time, like ever since I began facilitating groups and classes is just like learning different teaching tools or learning different activities. And so, um, when I think about shadow work, like as a concept, I know how astrology has helped me with that. Just like the insight that I gain from my astrology practice, um, and, you know, different things that I've picked up along the way, but it's nice to pick up some like, Oh yeah, this book has like direct shadow work practices you can try out. Um, so anyway, as you can tell, I've been enjoying the book. So same day, we have full moon and nine degrees of Leo at 11, 16 a.m. Pacific. 
This full moon can signify a growing of the light in our lives that is the energy of play and joy, which is Leo. It could be externally represented in our circumstances. So there's things happening that we can be happy about. But importantly, this light comes from within. Joy is an energy that can be cultivated. A sense of humor can be cultivated. When these external or when these internal essences, I'm sorry, internal essences are within us, we bring levity and joyfulness with us wherever we go. It's not dependent upon life being a certain way or other people being a certain way. But in fact, we tend to manifest more good times because we already are them. Leo, in one of its brightest expressions, is this energy that um, brings, like invites other people into the fun. When we feel really connected to the energy of fun and play and we're around people and it feels like, okay, everyone in this group is kind of like complaining right now or like the energy is really low. Like, what can I do to like invite other people? Or one-on-one, it's like the energy of being able to like cheer someone up or be the party and invite other people into it. This is um, part of the kind of generosity or magnanimity that we can find in the Leo archetype is someone who's kind of rooted in their play or their joy and they're bringing other people into it. But at a more metaphysical level, it's also the way that when we are connected to certain emotions, we attract similar energies in the universe. I've been playing with this kind of thing for many years now, but it's always, you know, a reminder to me in some sense that joy is a practice. It is something that we cultivate. And the more that we dip into that frequency, um, the more likely we are to engage circumstances in our life in a way that creates more to be joyful about. Um, And also metaphysically, we just attract things based on our emotional moods. So this is not to say that we can't be honest about how we're feeling or have processes or express our grief or anything like that. Um, But do you have certain like touchstones of certain things that bring you emotional strength or joy that you can continue to come back to? With this lunation involving Saturn, so Saturn is conjunct the sun and opposite the moon. It can relate to the way that creating fun and creating a sense of internal happiness could take engagement or work, if you will. Our personalities create our personal realities. So we perpetuate more of what we've already been doing. If humor and play are already strong energies in our lives, they're easier to access. If we have been beset with grief, depression, or other other heavier emotions, there is a way to both honor our feelings and have process with them and create new feelings and therefore new experiences for ourselves. I've been really inspired, like my friend Carla Palomino, who's an embodiment teacher, um, shared to her Instagram story this teaching about Eros and how connecting to the erotic can involve being present with what's there. So if we're feeling crunchy, if we're feeling, you know, just like not in a good place and we're going to start an embodiment practice or we're going to start like dancing or something, we don't just have to immediately skip what we're presently feeling and move our body in a way as though we're like 
pretending to feel a certain way. I know this as a writer too, that if I'm journaling, for example, and I have some more negative thoughts or something that I have to write those first to get to the next space. So that if we actually just drop into what's present and find connection to that, that is literally erotic. So for thinking about play and joy and thinking about Saturn opposing this moon where it's like, yes, the joy, the play is growing in the light, but there's also this heaviness or this gravity or this sobriety, um, thinking about how it is that we might feel more joyful and connected to life just by being honest and present with what is and not trying you know, to escape it or to judge it um, or to separate ourselves from it because we think it's bad. But that once we do connect with it, yes, we can open more doors and more por portals for ourselves with things that we feel on purpose. Leo relates to theater and acting and actors know how to bring themselves into many different kinds of emotional states pretty much at will even if they do have to get themselves into it. But it's not just actors who have this power. Consider your capacity to try on an emotion and run with it. The moon in Leo can signify the creative powers of perception and emotions that are chosen on purpose, a visionary emotion. The more you practice it or find agency in yourself to create a mood at will, you may notice external events mirroring your choices. When we tap into this creative agency, why wouldn't we want to play? Why wouldn't we want to create wonderful experiences? In your interactions, tune into the energy of the player, within and without. I don't mean the person who is insincere in love. I mean the person who is willing to play, the person with a clever grin the person who doesn't default to some stale pattern in a moment, but is able to spontaneously play with the energies available. This is the capacity to banter, the capacity to be curious and ask questions instead of short, circuit, short circuiting or getting into a defensive mode when we're engaging with someone who we don't like or we think is not the kind of person we'd wanna interact with. It's always okay just to leave people alone too <laughs> and have boundaries, but you know, are we able to, to just play the capacity to say yes and to life? So that is saying yes to the moment and adding something to it. Now, some of you are Leos or have strong Leo energy or already do this. And I think also sometimes we continue to need these reminders that we live in an ensouled, animated, alive, responsive universe. And that as we play, it also plays back. <laughs> and that even as we're not playing um, and we're just sulking or something, that it all is also relating to us. Now, that being said, <laughs> it is natural and okay to have grief or to be in down spaces or to be depressed, right? There's even a kind of gameplay to that. And I think that at like a spiritual level, Leo can be related to the ways that the universe is 
always playing and we're always a role. We're always a player in it. And that we can go to the Aquarius polarity for the kind of intellectual analysis of, well, what are the consequences and ramifications of this way that I am showing up to life? What is the way that I have, like, how can I maneuver differently to have a different experience? Like those are all game and game player kind of questions. January 30th, 2021, Mercury stations retrograde in 26 degrees of Aquarius at 7.52 a.m. Mercury will station direct on February 20th, so we have a few weeks of Mercury retrograde. Um, It'll station at 11 degrees of Aquarius, right between Saturn and Jupiter. So I personally am pleased that we get to spend extra time with Mercury in the sign of Aquarius. Mercury and Aquarius can relate to the delightful emotional sensation that is the epiphany or that is insight of making connections that lights up a vast network. I mean, this is part of why I love astrology. It's like every time I read new astrological information and continue to build this network because it just continues to build and build. It's like, it feels so electric and you read one thing and you're just so activated and you're making so many connections and it just keeps happening. Um, so I think that we think about epiphany or revelation as a, um, as a mental process, but it's a, it's a sensation, (laughs) you know, what it's like to feel enthusiastic and lit up and just like Eureka, you know, This can be a time of becoming more intelligent around how we manage or direct our minds. Do we have tools or practices that help us center ourselves amidst noise, static, and chatter? Do we tune into the musicality or resonance of our ideas to feel if they really land or resonate versus if they have a scattering or frying energy? So this can be important along with, um, the potential for like high buzzing revelation and feeling that sense of deep connection to ideas. Some ideas are really scattering, right? Like if you go down a rabbit hole and you feel, you feel disconnected from your body or you feel like you're having a stress response or something like that. Um, that could be the result of tuning into information that's creating cognitive dissonance. Um, And we can work with that too. It doesn't mean that it's not true information, but sometimes it is feedback that the information isn't right for us. Um, And it might also be feedback, regardless of whether the information is true, it can be feedback about whether the information is within our capacity to receive or work with or digest at the moment. Versus if we've blasted ourselves out to territory that would be too difficult to integrate. And while it's wonderful to expand our minds, you know, going way too far to the place where it's not integratable is where the information feels more like a fried, scattered energy, as opposed to that electric aligned frequency. You know, and more on that before I move on. Um, Working with conditioning the mind is an extremely powerful thing to do. You know, meditators do this. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm a meditator as much as I am like a more of like a visionary thinker. There's certain things that I like tune into um, devotionally. And 
feeling into a frequency of pleasure or connection or truth and building a web or kind of building a, um, a familiarity with that frequency can help you have that be like a home base. So you develop a kind of intuition, for example, of understanding what it feels like for truth in your body, like what you know to be true versus where you're feeling fried and scattered and like not integrated. It's a form of connecting your thoughts to how they feel in your body or connecting um, your thoughts to your intuition. And that practice involves tuning into particular things that lift us or bring us into that frame of mind. So you may know what those things are for you, whether it's a place you get to internally or whether it is a kind of um, like maybe you feel a certain sense of peace or calm when you're at the beach or in the woods. Um, or maybe it's when you tune into certain spiritual literature um, that you have a deep connection with, and it reminds you of that field of peace and connection. So just knowing like how to tune into certain frequencies or channels of consciousness um, and building a certain inner resourcefulness by building neural pathways or connections to those realms. At some point in the mercurial journey of being a thinker, a philosopher, a writer, a researcher, et cetera, any of these mercurial beings, kind of jobs, tasks, there can be a sense of being zany, spun out, a little manic, touching into this high buzzing frequency of mental stimulation and capacity for making connections can feel intoxicating and adventurous. However, grounding this energy into routines, into a healthy lifestyle, into good time management, into having a balanced life can help these wonderful ideas incarnate and have a real place to come through. It's not just our ideas and insights that matter. It's how livable they are and how they can be integrated into the whole system of our life. So Jonathan and I talked about this a little bit in the podcast, the most recent one. Um, we talked about the myth of the tortured artist and, you know, working with that and kind of rewriting it. And one of the things that I shared was that I um, learned early on in my writing practice that you can negotiate with the muse, that you don't have to have a relationship with the muse where it wakes you up in the middle of the night and you get into more of a pattern of madness where you're, um, you know, having these disturbances and you're just like having a more, um, of a servant relationship. That was some language that Jonathan helped with to the muse that you can say, these are the hours that I'm going to write. You can join me. <laughs> Please join me when I'm writing at this time. Um, so knowing that you know, you can be doing something intellectual or mental, but maybe you still need to eat or take a walk or have some form of balance. And that it actually, it doesn't interrupt the genius. It actually just helps it be sustainable and livable. Um, another way of, you know, extrapolating on this idea is allow what is mentally stimulating and exciting to you at this time to fertilize other parts of your life 
or trace the connections of how this is naturally arising. For example, some therapists that I've spoken to or have read books from, they they talk about how they've had to carry the charge of their client practice. So all of these deep conversations and deep presence and catalyzing conversations into their personal life, um, into their marriage and home life, for example, that same level of conversation and presence that it doesn't just stop when their workday is over, but they have to bring it home like that energy that they also give at their work. So as a writer and my ideas come out, regardless of whether or not my desk is clean, like I literally have like dishes (laughs) that I should, you know, put away. Um, and I work in that way because, I just am able to to write and share things regardless of whether or not I've made my room look nice. I have not set up a professional kind of YouTube background yet. I think I will when I move. Um, But I have to remind myself that I enjoy weaving a beautiful home and not just words. And so I have to take the time to nest too. Mercury and Aquarius can help us light up other parts of the network of our lives by carrying the charge of where we are the most excited, where we have the most energy, where we have the most aliveness and irrigate this like the water bearer into places that could use that boost of energy. So just tune in with where do you have the most charge and the most availability and the most energy. And that's a wonderful way to you know, not only have that part of your life lit up, but you can send that energy out into other areas that need it as well. And I don't think that it detracts from the thing. I think that it's actually just a a form of life irrigation. February 1st, 2021, the sun in 12 degrees of Aquarius will square Mars in 12 degrees of Taurus at 2.34 a.m. The sun and hard aspect, so the hard aspects are conjunctions, squares, or oppositions. The sun and hard aspect to Mars can be a tense one. Hard, by the way, doesn't mean difficult. Um, There's hard aspects and there's soft aspects. So hard just kind of means more friction. They're a little bit more dynamic and they're a little bit more obvious, like they make themselves known. So this sun-Mars square to me, calls to mind the sensations of frustration that we feel at an impasse or driving in traffic or encountering a situation that makes our blood boil. Or it can be, yeah, it can be those things. It can be powerful to expand our range for sensation and to have self-compassion when we are in distress, when we are angry, or when we want something that we can't have or can't have right now. So compassion while we're in distress means that it's okay to be in distress. It's okay to feel anger. It's okay to feel desire that is painful, right? But are you also self-flagellating and criticizing yourself for having those feelings? Or can you hold yourself and have compassion for yourself while you're having intense feelings? And I think that it's that capacity to hold ourselves through those intense feelings that creates our capacity or our range for those sensations. It's like, we don't really like our subjectively negative experiences. Sure. But can we have the self-esteem and feel noble in the way that we carry ourselves through them? 
how we remain self-possessed enough to make choices that we feel good about. And some people are more easy-go-lucky or they have this down, right? But given this transit, just make a mental note that if you're having, if you're feeling activated or you're feeling um, tense emotions or anger or something like that, that it can be really helpful to make a point to have compassion for yourself. This transit can also relate to the feelings that are evoked in the presence of personality clashes, how it feels to be annoyed by another person, how it feels to be in our expression and notice that someone else is turned off by it, how it feels to have competitors, whether or not we feel competitive. Even in communities of mutual respect and care, there are still personalities that may have their frictions. Even in beautiful, stable relationships, we can annoy one another. Again, how can we hold and engage these experiences in a way that we feel empowered, noble, and kind even? So Mars is in Taurus. Mars relates to, you know, these themes of irritation and anger. It's also courage and a sense of nobility of the enlightened warrior. And Taurus is a lot about our sensation. It's a very tantric sign. And so thinking about the... um, the courage or the nobility that is this process of loving ourselves and being kind to ourselves as we are having feelings, right? Or how we engage finding another person annoying and having the spaciousness within ourselves to not lash out in a way that feels like a leak of our energy, but to engage in a way that also feels honest, kind, respectful of ourselves and the other, like those are all deeper um, opportunities for growth that can come up in the face of simple annoyance. Venus enters Aquarius at 6.05 a.m. Pacific the same day, and Venus will be in Aquarius until February 25th. Venus in Aquarius reminds me of what astrologer Colin Bedell says about making our romances friendlier and our friendships more romantic. This can mean extending the graces of friendship to people we place the most expectations on, romantic partners, and bringing romance, gestures, gifts, and the like to our friends. Venus in Aquarius can relate to having concern with our relations to many people. So being less interested in being completely invested in the one person and more interested in having a community, not wanting to be lost in one person's world, but be a friend and ally to many. Some individuals who have this disposition can receive the reflections from their intimate partners that they are not present enough, They may, on the one hand, have to, you know, if they're receiving that reflection, there's many different things that could mean. Um, They may have to stretch themselves to be more present and attuned. They may also need to choose partners um, who grant them that kind of space because of a compatible disposition or a similar commitment to community and to friendships. You know, some people, like if you have Aquarian stuff strong in your chart, that can relate to having a really strong network consciousness. And Venus and Aquarius so much relates to how we feel connected to a lot of people. 
a whole community, a lot of friends. Um, and that doesn't mean that our connections are superficial, but it may mean that there's more space and time in between connecting than if we were just connecting more intimately with one person or a very small group. You get like, if you want to think about cancer as something like a different energy, cancer kind of has their, their close kin and a limited inner circle of which they may be you know, outpouring of affection and attention. Whereas Aquarius is a lot more like a decentralized network with a lot of different people. Venus and Aquarius is not an energy that is super likely to bend themselves to please another. Aquarius is a fixed sign, the common adjective for fixed being stubborn. I'm sure you've heard, but we might also consider Venus and Aquarius relating to resonance. And just like we feel out of alignment, if we live a life that isn't true to our energetic signature, there's only so long we can relate to people from a place of inauthenticity or non-alignment before we feel drained or like disassociated or not with ourselves. A transit of Venus through this sign may illuminate the ways that harmony and cooperation isn't just something. Um, oh, sorry. A transit of Venus through this sign may illuminate the ways that harmony and cooperation is something that naturally exists and isn't just something that can be manufactured. Like it can be manufactured, but not without that sense of non resonance. There is an erotic glue that connects us to people we are on a frequency with it's the attraction it's the sense of eros it's the sense of desire it's connection people that we want to care for show up for and collaborate with as opposed to situations where we only feel an obligation or some kind of mental construct to do those things the more we honor the truth of our own frequency the more our frequency connects us with soul family so I hope this is clear what I'm saying, which is essentially that if we are deeply honest with ourselves about our own energy, we're connected to ourselves, we're online with ourselves, we will feel a certain truth in the resonance that we have towards other people. And that, that just is. Then this is not to say that challenging or difficult dynamics won't come up in the right or in tune relationships that, you know, something comes up and it's fucked up. It's not that, um, but that perhaps we possess a deeper harmonic frequency with these souls, which show up as a commitment or interested in an interest in growing together through those things. So yes, there's some discord where there's differences because two people coming together, there's always going to be the potential for friction or clashes of interest or will, but there could still be a deeper sense of connection. Like we are engaged. We want to work through these things. There's a connection that's binding us. It is not a manufactured loyalty. It just is. And we may have to get over ourselves and our stubbornness to honor these kinds of connections, just like we have to get over aspects of our ego to honor our soul. This placement can have withdrawn qualities, Venus and Aquarius, which can relate to alienation, such as the more we withdraw ourselves in time or in true expression, the less people can engage with us in a way that we feel seen and attuned with. 
Be aware of situations where you can and ought to make yourself known, to assert your thoughts, your desires, fantasies, perceptions, words, feelings, preferences, like to just actually be in the equation, to not just be a witness watching things from a detached vantage point, um, in which case we keep all of those things sometimes even hidden to ourselves, but at least kind of behind this cool and more unreadable demeanor where we are much less likely to be reached. So a little bit of, you know, both and here that yes, Venus and Aquarius has this kind of, you know, keyword detached kind of thing. It may relate to this more communal kind of consciousness and wanting to connect with many, um, but to remember to bring yourself back into the equation of your connections, to bring yourself into the conversation, to bring your preferences up, to have requests, et cetera, so that you can be seen and met as well. Um, and even though this is, you know, stuff that maybe more of like a, a lifetime thing for people with Venus and Aquarius natally, it can show up thematically in the field while Venus is in Aquarius, this kind of, how do we engage our friends? How do we engage many people? How do we engage community? And how do we um, include ourselves in the equation as opposed to being detached? Thank you for listening to this forecast. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, please like and comment. And I hope that you have a beautiful week. Thank you for listening. If you've been enjoying this podcast and you have something to say about it, I would love to read your review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality, including some videos and lectures of mine on the topic. I have engaged these kinds of ideas to rewire my brain away from chronic depression um, and to create a different reality for myself. So something that astrology teaches me is that there's space on the whole zodiac wheel for the entire human experience. There's space for shadow work. There's space for peak experience. And Working with the specifics of how to create peak experience and integrate it into daily life is something that I've thought a lot about and created some content about. So if you'd like to learn more about that and support the podcast, I would love to share that with you in return for your review. I hope you have a beautiful week.